What's up? What's up? It's Corey. Billy. Corey Russell and Billy Humphrey. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is Gripped, Awakening the Grown in a Generation for Revival and the Return of the Lord. This season, season two, is on the knowledge of God. Yeah. And this is episode six. That's right. And we are plowing into the knowledge of God. Everyone is uh, just distinct and I believe is so critical. The chapters that we're uh, pointing to, they're not just little random passages. These are the chapters that have fed us. Yeah. I'd be pointing to say, hey, you want to go feed there for a long time. Yeah. When you hear these passages, know that over the years, these are things that we've spent tons of time meditating (laughs) in. Sharing on, dialoguing about with each other and others. So this is a an obvious cue to you to go into those chapters. Yeah, these specific ones we're hitting. And today we're going to hit, my goodness, I say they're all my favorite. My, <laughs> I, I would say we're going to look at Revelation 1 and uh, the very first chapter. And really, you'll find more revelation of Jesus, different distinct aspects of Jesus in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, but there's like 18 different yeah. aspects in Revelation 1 yeah. that will blow your mind. And I love Revelation 1 because it, it gives us a vision of the resurrected, glorified Son of Man. And John is, is going to see him. And I love that the last book of the Bible is not called the Revelation of Satan. <laughs> it's not called the Revelation of the Antichrist. It's not called the revelation of seals, trumpets, and bowls. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the unveiling of this man to the planet. It's the unveiling of his leadership, of his judgments, of his power, of his mercy, of his nature, of his glory, all of his goodness. It is going to be a global unveiling of the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ. Yeah, apocalypsis. That's the Greek Ooh. Greek word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it is. It's the unveiling. It's Jesus' manifestation. It's beautiful. This is the writer of Hebrews. He, John tells us, blessed is he who reads, hears, and keeps this book. And there's so many things. John is around 90 years old. Yeah. And so John, the beloved, had walked with Jesus in his earlier years, 70 years earlier, and... History goes, and he had been exiled to this uh, Greek island uh, called Patmos. And uh, it was just a slave camp, and it's where he was at. And And the uh, whole island is a prison. It's a prison island. It's it's like that island off of San Francisco, Alcatraz. That's exactly right. And so he had been exiled there. And and I I just want to—I mean, there's so many different aspects. I want to just jump into about verse 10, though. I mean, the father shows up—pretty much the father shows up— the Spirit shows up mm-hmm. and Jesus shows up as the faithful witness, firstborn from the yeah. dead, ruler over the kings of the earth. And pretty much it's heavens in your corner, John. Yeah, I, I think those first nine verses, it, when you go back and look at it later, you'll realize something that's interesting, right? John, when he's writing those first nine verses, he's already had the encounter. Yes. And he writes those as a prologue to this radical encounter. Yes. And what he ties in, those components that you're mentioning, are all intentional because they speak of what he's about to explain in this massive encounter that That's he's exactly had. right. And so it's just super cool when you realize, oh, he wrote this as a introduction to the encounter. And he starts with, I was in the spirit. Yes. 
I was, so he, I love it. Revelation one verse 10 is where I want to kind of start. And mm-hmm. I would say 10 through 18 is a good feeding ground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're like, I want this and I, I can't help, but I'll get to it in a second. So John is standing, let's say he's standing right here facing this direction and he hears a voice behind him. Okay. He hears a voice behind him saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, what you see write it in a book and send it to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And the Bible says that John turned to see the voice. And when he turned, he saw. And when I, I remember one of the, it was probably about 2011. I was reading that and immediately the, the story of Moses and the burning bush just exploded off the page because Moses had come to the backside mm. of Midian mm. and he says, I will now turn aside to see this side. Yeah. Why the bush burns, but it's not on fire. And it says that when the Lord saw that he turned, that's when he spoke. And I, I, I want to say this to you. We, we spoke about it maybe in the first episode. Revelation 1, God is marking prophetic messengers. Yes. And the message is going to be him. Mm. The message is going to be him. And in the same way, Moses was commissioned through the burning bush. And there was a turning that took place and the Lord visited him on that holy ground. So I believe that the Lord's inviting you in this season. And I believe he's going to use a podcast like this, other resources out there to call you to turn aside. Yeah. Because for too long, we've listened to other trumpets. We've heard other people talk about him, Mm. but there's something that happened when John turned. Yeah. He didn't see till he turned. That turn to see the voice. Yeah. That just, there's, um, there's something about that phrase that it, it, it speaks of shutting down the other voice. Absolutely. Right. Shutting down the other attractions, shutting down everything else that's drawing your attention. And that's really what God's asking for in this hour, right? We're talking about the spirit of revelation this whole season and gaining the spirit of revelation. It comes through inquiry and intercession. It comes through seeking out the word, but there's got to be that place. And we hit on it in an earlier episode that when the spirit of revelation begins to rest, you take note. Yes. You turn to see, to hear what it is the spirit of the Lord that would say to you. And I think so often we just blow past. We blow past the little whispers. We blow past the little times he's highlighting things. And obviously John's revelation, revelation one is the most radical quiet time that anybody's ever had in the existence of humanity. But when you get that little whisper, when you get that thought that you didn't have 30 seconds earlier about something about the nature and the knowledge of God or a verse pops into your mind, turn to see the voice. That's right. And, and meditate on it and, and go to the scripture, open up, look at it, get your eyes on it and, and really get get around what the Holy Spirit is beginning to, to speak to you. That's critical. I want you to get a cry on the inside of you. I want to know you and encounter you for myself. I'm not just satisfied to hear other preachers preach about you. I want to encounter you for myself because John turned and I, and I remember really the time this thing just erupted for me. I, I kind of forgot it till we got into this. Me and Alan Hood were in Brazil in 2011. And as we were descending in Curitiba, Brazil, we go into Revelation 1 encounter. We spent two days in it. Mm. All we were doing was reading and praying and crying. The only time we got away from it was to do something at a, like a call event and it was just so powerful as the Lord was marking us for several days 
around that. Revelation 1. Revelation 1. And that was the spirit of revelation. And when guys, and I think that's important, is around turning, turning, having a responsive heart when the spirit of revelation calls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being able to shut down business mm-hmm. as usual. I mean, because when a verse begins to lock in on you, yeah. you have tools that you begin to pull That's out right. in your life. You That's have right. the word fasting, removal, canceling some things, and you turn in an intentional way. Yeah. There's an honor that we actually have to to give to that. We have to dignify that moment. Absolutely. Right? Because here's this is the uncreated God whispering something from his heart to you. So we have to dignify that moment by giving it the, the right amount of attention and not just, oh yeah, that verse is on my mind. Well, what, what's on TV? Yes. What's Netflix doing? No, yes. no, no. If the verse is on your mind, take that invitation. So John turns to see the voice and the thing that blows me away, he doesn't see the one speaking first, mm. but he sees seven lampstands. Mm. <laughs> he sees the churches in, of Revelation 2 and 3. And then, so the first thing that he sees, he doesn't see the Son of Man. Mm. He sees where the Son of Man's at. Yeah. And I want to say to you guys that Jesus loves the church. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus has not abandoned the church. Jesus is building the church. And Ephesians 5 says that he will present to himself a glorious church. That's right. And I want you to know that Jesus is standing in the middle of some really messed up churches. <laughs> That's right. You read Revelation 2 and 3, craziness. Yes. And Jesus is not the prophet at a distance releasing woes. He's the intercessor in the middle of the church. Yes. And I love him for that. I remember we had an awakening back in 2009 in Kansas City. You guys had one yeah, here in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. We had them simultaneously. And one of our leaders had, had a vision one night. And it, I just love this about Jesus is um, she was she was driving. She was in a vision and she was driving a car and she looked in the back seat and she saw Jesus and he's and she and, he, and she saw the bride in dirty garments mm. and her and, and the bride's head was in his lap. Mm. And all he was doing is he was massaging her heart. Mm. And she thought to herself, she looked back, she goes, man, she looks rough. <laughs> And Jesus says, you should have seen her when I found her. He spoke to her thought. He says, "He says, but I'm not going to let her go. I'm going to keep speaking to her heart and massaging her heart till she starts breathing again. Wow. Until she, see, this is the nature of Jesus. The Isaiah 42, he's the one that comes around, mm-hmm. barely lit candles. That's right. And he doesn't snuff them out, That's but he right. lightly blows on them until they become a flame again. That's right. That's right. And Jesus is in the middle of the church. And I declare to you that there is going to be a glorious yes. church without spot or wrinkle That's right. before he returns. That's right. Because the first thing that she sees or that John sees is the son of man with the garment down to the feet. Yes. He's the intercessor. Yes. That's powerful. Talk to me about. Wow, man. I, I You just hit so many points that there's that, I guess it's John Thurlow's song. He says, I'm going to let the glad worker do his work in me. <laughs> and I think um, this is a good word for prophetic people too. Like for real, like as you're seeing maybe the shortcomings that are our shortcomings. Yes. That's, that's our shortcoming. You, you know, so often when you, when, when you're prophetic, you might see things that are negative. You go, Oh, that, that person needs to get this done or that church, that movement. No, no, no. That's us. 
And so when you see the negative, also temper that with the fact that Jesus sees it. He's seen it from the beginning of time and he is not intimidated. He is going to bring the necessary measures and means to see whatever those negative things are offset and to see the bride become a shining you know, burning and shining lamp and a, a beautiful bride that's, that's ready to, to marry him. And so I, that, that encourages me so much when I start feeling negative, like, oh, yes. I'm not where I need to be. Oh, we're not where we need. I start thinking about, oh, no, no, we're on our way to a wedding. That's right. And he is the glad worker who is going to do his work in me, in us and see to it that we're a bride ready for him. And he's an intercessor. He's an yeah. intercessor. You know, he's right in the middle of the church yeah. and he's an intercessor. It says in Hebrews 7.25. I mean, these are, guys, these are oceans of revelation about Jesus. It's beautiful. Okay. These are oceans. Hebrews 7.25. He is able to save to the uttermost since he always lives to make intercession. Yes. So his ability to save you to the depths, not only just justify, but sanctify and glorify is connected to the fact that he is our eternal intercessor. He's not going anywhere. It's established and I want you to know that in the same way he told Peter, we were talking about Peter in the last uh, episode. Yeah. He says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. <laughs> yeah. He says, but I've prayed for you. <laughs> and, and even, I want to just even stitch back that Isaiah 42 that you quoted a moment ago. It says, a bruised reed, yes. he will not break. And a smoldering flax or smoldering wick, he won't extinguish. Yes. In other words, the person that is... You know, a bruised reed is a, a stem or a, 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 a willow course that's broken. You know, that thing is yes. bent over. He goes, I'm not going to break it off. He goes, I'm going to actually fortify it and strengthen it. And, and the thing that I always get out of that is he's not discouraged. Yes. He goes, he won't, he's not going to cry out. He's not going to freak out. That's, I mean, that's what Isaiah 42 says. He, he will not cry out. Yeah. He goes, he, he is going to be steady until he brings forth justice. That's the idea. Yes. And I just... I love him for that. Yes. He's, he is governing us with the confidence of, yeah, he's God in the flesh. He's a, he's a mighty intercessor. The confidence of knowing where he's leading the course of human affairs. And he is not intimidated by our weakness, our frailty, our shortcomings, our humanity. That's right. He's experienced all of it. And that's why he's able to save us to the other right. Because he's been tempted in every way. He's as a sympathizing high priest. Yes, yet without sin. And that's what makes him an intercessor. That's exactly which right. Which is so crazy because he's God. He's the high priest. He's the sacrifice. And he's the intercessor that's to exactly see it right. all come to pass. Absolutely. <laughs> and so when we see, and he's the judge. Yes. Which we see him as the intercessor in the midst of the church, and he's clothed in a judge's outfit, yes, <laughs> getting ready to uncork this whole <laughs> radical expression of his nature. And so, Revelation one, <laughs> we, we haven't even started it yet. I mean, we're scratching the surface, but in Revelation one, he blows his friend John's mind when finally John lays eyes on him. John had walked with him for three and a half years, and he is getting his mind blown. I, f I feel the Lord on that one. Go. <laughs> his garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. And then it says this. It says that his head, the very first thing, so we see his garments. It's the priestly garments. It's the judge garments. It's the... 
It's that yeah. priestly judge reality, the warrior priest. It's his garments down to the feet. And the first thing that we see that John highlights is his head and hair is white like wool, white as snow. Which means this, and scripture uses this, the ancient of days, his hair was white as snow, white as wool. When his head, it's speaking about his eternal wisdom and his leadership. Leadership, perfect. When you, the very first thing that John's going to see, and this is going to stabilize John for the rest of the book of Revelation. And I believe it's absolutely critical for us individually and where we're going in the coming days. 2020, we've crossed a line into a new season. yes. And the church has got to get connected to the brilliance of his leadership, of his wisdom, of his ways, all of that. Well, I mean, John, when he hears the voice, right? Yes. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am he who had the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I was dead and I'm alive forevermore. Yes. This declaration that comes out of the son of God, it leaves no doubt. If you ever wanted a clear passage that declares the Trinitarian nature of the Godhead, that Jesus and the Father are one, that Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are one. Jesus calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And so what you have is this shocking expression that leaves no doubt. And so when he shows and he sees his head, his hair is white as wool, what he's what he's seeing is this expression of the ancient of days, yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. He shock. is the Daniel 7 God. Yes, the shock of all shocks. It's Jesus in the flesh is the Alpha and the Omega. Yes. And John has that in his gospel. He has it really clear yes. in John 1 and other passages. But now he's experiencing Jesus like that. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Here, I mean. John is still got his feet on the planet and Jesus comes rolling in with his glory. It's not all the way up. It would have killed him if it was all the way up because like what God said to Moses, it would kill you. you. But he's got his, he's got his glory turned up quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, whereas like on the, on the road to Emmaus, he had the glory turned all the way down basically. (laughs) Now he's got it turned up about five or seven, you know, on the scale. And here's John for the first time I mean, arguably Jesus' best friend, arguably Jesus' closest disciple. He sees him now as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end with the glory turned on. And and when when he sees him, head and hair, white as wool, garment down to the feet, gird across the chest with a golden band, and his feet are burning like like bronze in a furnace, and his voice is like the sound of many waters, and the sword is coming forth from his mouth, the word is coming forth, and he sees his friend, he falls. Yes. He, I mean, strength is drained out of me. He falls, he's slain under the grandeur and the glory and the beauty of Jesus. And, and this, this is the thing, okay? We've got to get into this, that when we come before him, he is, he is our bridegroom. He is our friend, but he's not our dude, our buddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. our bro. Absolutely. When Jesus comes and turns it on to his best friend just a little bit, he turns it on to his best friend just a little bit, his friend falls like a dead man. Like a dead man. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And then I love it. He touches him. Yeah. He says, don't be afraid. John, don't be afraid. It's me. I have the keys of death and hell. 
I was, I'm he who is dead and I'm alive forevermore. It's almost as if John doesn't even know who he's looking at. Absolutely. Yeah. 70 years earlier, he laid his head on his chest. That day he fell at his feet as though he were dead. I want to call you into beholding these different aspects of Jesus. He is the eternal. He's the ancient of days. His eternal wisdom, his eternal understanding, his eternal leadership. And, and bring it even now into your life. Do you trust his leadership in your life? Do you trust his leadership in your life? His head and hair white like wool. Song of Solomon, your head is like the finest like gold. gold. There's something about falling in love with the leadership of Jesus. Yes. Something about falling in love with the leadership of Jesus. Trusting his leadership. It's fully yes. trusting. Psalm 22. I don't understand what's going on, but you're holy. My father's trusted you and you, you delivered them. I trust you. There are those times to where you give yourself into trusting him. That teach me your ways that I can walk in your truth. Yes. Give me an undivided heart. That's a heart that fears you, that reverences you, that, that follows hard after you. This is something that I've been doing in my prayer life. I've never done it before. It's probably been happening in the last six months. I think one of my daughter, my, my, my youngest daughter came up to me one night and I wasn't feeling like the great dad. I wasn't, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe it'd been a busy season. I hadn't connected with them in a bit and I was just feeling the disconnect. Mm. And she just came up to me. She goes, dad, you're doing a good, you're a good dad. <laughs> it absolutely undid me. <laughs> it undid me. Slaughtered. I've been telling God. You're a good God, God, you're a good leader. <laughs> it, I think it's mostly about my heart. And what it does is it just rips out the accusation yes. that if I were God, I'd be doing a better job. Yes. And I couldn't. What a subtle lie. It's a subtle lie. I dare you to tell Jesus, Jesus, you're a good leader. I, I praise your leadership in my life. Thank you, Lord. The, the Revelation 15, that's the song of Moses and the Lamb. It's the great is the Lord. Yes. Great. Your judgments, your, your ways. Everything you've done. Everything you've true. done. Just and true are your ways. We're going to do that globally. I want to invite you to doing that even personally in this season or even what he's doing in our nation and in the earth right now. Mm. So it's his, anyway, we could go off on this forever. That's one aspect. His leadership. Two, and then it brings us to what I believe is the cure for revival in the church of America. It's in his eyes. His eyes are like fire. His eyes are like a flame of fire. I believe that the fire in his eyes is the cure for a thousand evils in the American church. It's the cure for a thousand evils in the global church. It's the fire of jealousy. It's the fire of zeal. Yes. It's the fire of pursuit. It's the fire of his love. Yes. It's his fire that burns up all religion, burns up all compromise, burns up all immorality. It burns up everything. And friend, if you're finding yourself in this season disconnected, hard, indifferent, and dull, look at yes. his eyes. Yes. You Look at the eyes of fire and let the fire in his eyes tenderize. Your hard heart. This always gets me. It says his face was shining like the sun oh. in its strength. Oh. And at the same time, though, John sees his eyes are burning like fire. Now, here's the thing. If his face is glowing like the sun, that means his eyes are br oh, out that's brightening. Brilliant. That's brilliant. His face. Wow. So what that zeal is, that passion, that... 
love, that hunger. That, that's the thing that I think I think about. When I think of his eyes of fire, I think about the jealousy for his bride. Yes. The hunger yes. that he has to, to, vin to, to vindicate his bride. And that's where I start wilting because I realize, oh, the power that's in his eyes, the, the, the zeal that's yes. behind that gaze is actually lasered in on me. Yes. <laughs> and at that moment, I'm like, oh, 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 okay, okay. Because he wants me. And that's when we tap back into that father I desire. Father, I desire. So finally, now we're seeing the Father, I desire. Father, I desire that they whom you've given me would be hey. with me, that they would behold my glory. And so, what do we have in Revelation one? Is John is actually experiencing in a, in a little way the beginnings of the answer to the John seventeen twenty four prayer of Jesus. Yes, he's actually beholding the Son of God in His glory, and the eyes of fire are burning <laughs> forth. And that gaze of zeal, passion, hunger, the yearning that's in Jesus for us. That's why I get out of bed. Amen. That's the yes. reason I get yes. out of bed yes. every day. It's it's not for anything any human can give no. me. It's for the very fact of this. The one who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting is burning for me. He's burning for me. He wants me and he wants you. And that's why I even breathe. That's the whole point. His eyes are like fire. His face is like the sun. And what's behind that are the depths of his glory and his yeah, emotions. The eyes are the window to the soul. That's the internal life of Jesus. It's burning fire, passion. It's a fire that will consume Thyatira's toleration of Jezebel. It's a fire that will burn up idolatry and compromise. Laodicea is lukewarmness. Yes, it will burn up lukewarmness and indifference. It will it will release hot fire. You want to get on fire? It's not by trying to become fiery. Ooh. It's by looking at fire. That's right. It's by connecting with fire. Yes. And the fire in his eyes will become the fire in your heart. Yes. His fire, his feet are like burnished bronze. Friend, he is the God who steps in and he steps on all the works of Satan, all the sinful tendencies and agendas. He steps in and he judges and is yes. perfect justice. He steps in right at the right time in the right way with the right measure yes. and he steps in and you want to praise him for him stepping. His voice is like the sound of many waters. His in his right hand are seven stars. He cares for his messengers. Yes, yes. He cares for his messengers. And his face is a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He is the sword that divides soul from spirit, the Hebrews 4. His face is like the sun shining in its strength. And John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. Yes. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. This revelation, I want to tell you, you want to feed on Revelation 1, 10 through 18. I believe it will break off the spirit of fear. Yes. It will break off the spirit of fear and anxiety concerning the end times. Totally. It's going to deliver totally. you. It's going to deliver you from big devil, little Jesus. Totally. We see the majestic Jesus the glorified son of man, and you fall in love with him and you worship him and it delivers you from the fear of death. 
and you come alive in God. There's a massive shift that takes place when you understand the book of Revelation is the unveiling of this man. Yes. It's the unveiling of Jesus, of his plan, of his transcendence, of his preeminence, his ability over Antichrist. We get to see the power of the devil and then we get to see it completely slain. It becomes dust underneath his feet, which is what Malachi actually saw. He says there will be dust under the feet of the righteous and those feet of burnished bronze. He tramples the enemy. And so you, you lose, you lose any sense of, oh no, because you are so into him. That's right. There's such an, oh yes, (laughs) about Jesus, you know, and when you see him as he is, then you just want to ride with him. You just want to roll with him. Here, open up your hand. I want to, I want to pray for you. And then I want Billy to pray. Revelation 1, 10 through 18. Revelation 1, 10 through 18. Holy Spirit, write Revelation 1, 10 through 18 on everyone's heart and mind. I pray that you would release a season of visitation. I pray that even this week would be a week of visitation. God, I pray that you would wreck us with every phrase that you would uproot lies and arguments and accusations against your leadership, that it would deliver us of compromise, that we'd open up our hearts, God. I ask you for the revelation of Jesus Christ to break in with your power this week as we meditate on these passages. Jesus, we want to look right at you. We want to look right at you. Your face shines like the sun in its strength. Your head and your hair are white as wool, white as snow. Your eyes are like a flame of fire. Uh. There's a two-edged sword coming out of your mouth. You're girded down to the feet with a garment and across your chest is a golden band. Your feet are like burnished bronze glowing in a furnace. And when you speak, your voice is like the sound of many waters. You're the alpha and the Omega. Oh, you're the beginning and the oh, end. Oh, oh. You're the first and the last. You walk amongst the lampstands and you hold the seven stars in your hands. And we want to look right at you, Jesus. We want to look right at your eyes of fire. You're the one that we love. Come walk amongst the lampstands right now. Walk amongst our amongst our own hearts. Walk in our midst, Jesus, Jesus. We want to live with you. We want to ride with you. We want to walk with you. We love you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Jesus name, amen. <laughs> Bless you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Gripped. We hope this episode ministered to your heart. If so, feel free to subscribe and leave us a good rating. You can find previous episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts. You can watch this episode and more on our YouTube channel, Gripped Podcast. And follow us on Instagram, at The Gripped Podcast. To stay connected with Corey's ministry, you can find out more at www.coryrussell.org. To stay connected with Billy's ministry, 
You can find out more at www.billyhumphrey.com. Bless you guys. Bye.